John Guest said this about leadership. He said, without leadership, nothing goes in the right direction. It invariably goes in the wrong direction. We need leaders in all sectors of society to step up and lead. That's how we're going to make a difference. We need them to learn how to lead for Christ and to serve others and, and to be in every sector of society. That's how we're going to make a difference, when leaders lead. This is the L3 Leadership Podcast, episode number 175. Hey everyone, happy new year and welcome to another edition of the L3 Leadership Podcast. My name is Doug Smith and I'm the founder of L3 Leadership. In this episode, you're going to get to hear me share my top lessons that I learned in 2017 and I really think it's going to add a ton of value to your life. But before we dive into the lesson, just a few announcements. First and foremost, I want to encourage you to become a member of L3 Leadership. Our vision here at L3 is to connect and develop leaders to help them maximize their potential. And when you become a member, you'll have the ability to join one of our mastermind groups, which for me has been the biggest source of growth in the past three years of my life. You'll also have access to our community of over 100 leaders and you'll have access to tools and resources that will help you take your life and your leadership to the next level. And you can get all of this for just $25 a month, and you can sign up at l3leadership.org forward slash membership. I also want to thank our sponsor, Alex Tulandon, who is a full-time realtor with Keller Williams Realty. If you're looking to buy or sell a house in the Pittsburgh area, Alex is your guy. He's a member and a supporter of L3 Leadership, and he would love the opportunity to connect with you. You can find out more about Alex and connect with him at pittsburghpropertyshowcase.com. And with that being said, let's dive right into the top lessons that I learned in 2017. Enjoy, and I'll be back at the end with a few announcements. What's up, everyone, and welcome to 2018. Happy New Year to you. I'm so excited to spend another year with you through the podcast, and I'm very excited about today's episode. I'm going to be sharing with you the top lessons that I learned in 2017, and I record a lesson like this every single year, and it's always my favorite episode to record because I'm coming fresh off of my year-end review, and in my year-end review, I actually have an entire section devoted to lessons learned, and then I look through those, and I pull out the best of the best, and I share them with you in, in this episode, and so I think you're going to get a ton of value from this episode. Uh, But before we dive in, I just mentioned a year-end review. If you have no idea what that is, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to episode number 174, where I walk you step-by-step through my year-end review process. I believe it's a process that every every individual needs to have in their life, and it's not too late to do your 2017 year-end review. So if you have not done a review and reflected on your year, please go back and listen to that. I think it'll really help you and add a lot of value to your life. So with that being said, Let's dive right into the top lessons that I learned in 2017. Again, this is in no specific order, and I just take a ton of areas of life, and I'll let you know what area that I'm going to be talking about, and then I'll share with you the lessons that I learned in that area. So let's begin. The first area that I learned a lot about is focus, (laughs) and uh, this has been a theme in my life since I was a little kid. I've always been told that I need to focus. Focus, Doug, focus. If I've heard focus, Doug, once I've heard it a billion times, Doug, you just need to focus. My, my nature is to not be very focused. I tend to be all over the place. So a question I continually ask myself is, how can I get better with focus? And the more I grow, and specifically throughout 2017, the best way that I've learned to focus is to surround myself with people who can help me focus. Surround myself with people who can help me focus. Specifically, I'll just use an example of L3 leadership. Uh, I have a ton of vision for L3 leadership. There's a ton of things I want to do. There's a ton of things I'm starting to do. And I have a leadership team around us. And um, in 2017, I would take everything that I wanted to do, I put it on a piece of paper and I shared it with the leadership team. And long story short, after they looked over all the data and everything, they basically said, hey, you're only allowed to focus on two things in 2018. That's it. 
That's it. And I'm like, well, what about this, this, and this? They're like, nope, that might be 2019. It might be 2020. But your only focus are these two things in the next year. And for me, that is so helpful for people to put boundaries up for me because I would not naturally do that myself. I'm trying to, but having people say no for me and having people help me get focused was a game changer in 2017. Specifically, one guy on my leadership team, uh, I love this. He calls it the Hitch Principle. If you've seen the movie Hitch with Will Smith, specifically the dance scene with Will Smith and Kevin James, uh, Kevin James starts dancing all over the place and Will Smith looks at him and he says, don't ever do that again. And then he said, this is where you live, right here, right here. And he gives him about a, a one foot radius. He just said, this is your sweet spot. And I love it. I, I watched the scene before recording this episode. He said, we don't need no pizza. They got food there. Just live, stay in your zone. Stay in your zone. And that's what our leadership team and surrounding myself with people who help me focus have done for me. They help me stay in my sweet spot and help me stay focused on what I should be focused on. So uh, if you need help with focus, use the hitch principle. It'll change your life. Um, some other things on focus. A question that I continually ask myself is, what am I doing that has nothing to do with my focus? You know, as I look over my calendar, as I look over my to-do list, what am I doing that has nothing to do, do with what I should be focused on? Because here's what I know. When you're saying yes to one thing, you're saying no to another. This is a lesson I've had to learn. When you're saying yes to one thing, you're saying no to another. And I heard someone once say this, claim your calendar before someone else does. The question isn't will your calendar be full? The question is who's going to fill your calendar? And so again, constantly evaluating, what am I doing that has nothing to do with what I should be focused on? And how about this? This was a, a, a huge lesson that I thought was so cool around focus. Um, how do I help the people around me deal with my inability to focus? I can't imagine how frustrating it could be for my wife and other people in my leadership team where I'm like, hey, we got to do this, this, and this, and this is new, and this is new, and this is new, and I'm all over the place. How can you actually help people around you deal with your inability to focus? I, this is what I learned this year. It was from a leader named Greg Weimer. He's all over the place, and he implemented a rule in his workplace, and he said this. He said to his team, he said, don't accept any of my ideas unless they are on paper with a specific result, a specific purpose, and massive action plan. I love that. Don't accept any of my ideas unless they are on paper. They have a result, an expected result, a purpose, and a massive action plan. And so if, if he goes and starts casting vision to his team about things they haven't done, they said, no, no, you need to get this on paper, and then you can come share vision with us. We want to make sure we actually do it. Because oftentimes, people who can't focus, they cast a ton of vision, and their team starts going after it, and then they don't even remember they said it, and it just drives them crazy because they have to stop, and they put all this effort into it. So I love this. From now on, I'm going to tell the people around me, don't accept any of my ideas unless they're on paper. They have a result. They have a purpose and they have massive action. That's what I learned about focus this year. The second area I want to focus on is business and work. Business and work. I learned a ton of, of things in these two areas. At work, the biggest thing I learned is that I need to be an owner. And be an owner means that you get to a place where you feel as though you're responsible for everything, even when you're not. You feel responsible for everything, even when you're not. And when you start to think like that, things will change. That's what my boss told me. You need to get to a place where you feel as though you're responsible for everything, even if I'm not. And when you think like that, things will change. My boss, Jesse Marsh, said that, and I love that because I had a tendency sometimes if it's not my area, I can say, well, I don't say it out loud, but, but basically my attitude is like, I don't care. It's not my responsibility. And if you're a leader, that's not okay. As a leader, you have to be an owner and act as if you're responsible for everything. It'll be a game changer for you. And so I've tried to adopt an owner mentality all throughout the year.
be an owner. A few thoughts on uh, that I learned about entrepreneurship when it comes to business and work. Uh, I love this. Darren Grove, we had him speak at an L3 event. He defined entrepreneurship as insane perseverance in the face of constant rejection. Insane perseverance in the face of constant rejection. And he went on to say, throughout his entrepreneurship journey, he said, you know, at some point as an entrepreneur, you think that the entrepreneurship will get easier and it won't. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if that's encouraging or discouraging to you, but I like to deal with reality. And just to know that that it's never going to get easier. You're never going to get to a point where it's like, oh, this is so easy. I love this. Uh, there's no problems. Uh, I can just breeze through life. You're never going to get there as an entrepreneur. So for me, it was just the reality that, hey, the entrepreneur journey is going to be crazy all the time and just get used to it, deal with it and live with it. Another area that I, that I learned a lot about in work was creating value. And I love creating value every day I wake up and I think, how can I add value to others? And here's a, a few lessons that I learned about creating value. Number one, you should ask yourself, how can I make 1,000 people very happy? There's a whole article that you should read online if you haven't. It's called 1,000 True Fans. But your goal as an influencer and as a leader should be, or as a business owner should be to get to 1,000 customers. They say that once you have 1,000 customers or 1,000 people cheering you on, that's really the tipping point and your finances will all be taken care of and, and you, the, you'll go viral, all these different things. Just read the article. It's worth it. But make that your focus. How can I make 1,000 people very happy? Another lesson that I learned when it comes to adding value came from a question that I heard that the owners of Airbnb asked themselves early on when they started Airbnb. And I think this question is a game changer. It's one of the biggest uh, takeaways from 2017. But they asked themselves, what does a 10-star experience look like? What does a 10-star experience look like? Specifically, when it comes to renting an ap apartment or renting a house, what would a 10-star experience look like? And they said, take every number, 1 through 10, and, and write what that experience would be. For instance, uh, if it was a 1 out of 10 experience, maybe you show up to the house that you said you were going to rent and they didn't have a key ready for you, you were locked out, you couldn't get a hold of them, and so you actually didn't even get to go into the house until 12 hours after you were there. And then you get in the house, the house smells, the furniture is horrible you know, et cetera. And you just have a nightmare experience. And then they go all the way up uh, to 10. And they said, you know, a 10, a 10 star experience would be um, you fly into the town where you're renting the piece of property, you get off, there's 500 people that are fans just cheering you on, you get picked up in a limo, uh, you drive to your apartment and Elon Musk is waiting in your apartment. And he said, hey, I'm going to take you to space with SpaceX. Um, that would be a crazy 10 star experience. And but they said most people never dream that big of for what a 10-star experience could look like. And they said, listen, we may never be able to provide a 10-star experience, but we could probably hit an 8 or a 9 pretty consistently. And if you aim that big and actually define what a, a 8, 9, 10-star experience looks like, it's going to change the game for how you add value to people. And so I would actually encourage you to ask yourself that question in every area of your life. Hey, in my marriage, what does a 10-star experience look like? In, in my, with my product or service, what does a 10-star experience look like? With my church, what does a 10-star experience look like? And then create experiences so compelling that people choose you. Create experiences so compelling that people choose you. I love that. This is very similar related, but I was interviewing Larry Bry, who is a pastor at Elevation Church, and he said this principle about adding value to people and experiences. He said, the value of the guest often determines the level of your preparation. The value of the guest determines often the level of your preparation. For instance, if I was having John Maxwell come to my event or come over for dinner, what would I do? Well, you better believe that I would do everything within my power to make sure it was the best event, the best dinner, the best experience he's ever had. Why? Because I value John Maxwell.
which would be the same for everyone that we serve. Every one of your customers should be seen with the same level of value that I would put on John Maxwell. And if you'll serve your people that way, it'll change the game with the way you provide your product or service. The value of the guest determines the level of your preparation. Uh, another thing when it came, comes to adding value, last thing, but I love this. I had the opportunity uh, to have dinner with Matt Keller, who's a friend and a mentor. And he just sat down and, and I didn't really know what to expect. You know, I, I sit across from a lot of uh, leaders and mentors and I always have a list of questions, but he sat down and he looked at me. I, I didn't know what he would say. And he just looked at me, smiled and said, how can I help? How can I help? And I thought I don't know what it was about that, but I thought that was so profound. And so when I meet with people now, that's that's what I ask. Hey, how can I help? How can I help? How can I help? Because people will tell you how you can help. And so I just thought that was a game-changing question, which is so simple to ask. But how can I help? If you ask people that, you'll add value to them. Another area under uh, business and work is just about sales and, and success. And this is just a fun one, but my tax accountant, Brendan Conley, uh, my, t- my tax guy, Brendan Conley, said this. He said, it's all trash until it's cash. It's all trash until it's cash. What's it, what was he saying? He said, it's easy to talk a, a good game. Hey, this is going to happen or when this sale goes through or when, when all of my clients do this, this, and this, if this happens, right? <laughs> but he just said, that's great, but it's all trash until it's cash. And uh, I just love that. It's a great reminder. Don't just talk a good game, but actually deliver the goods, make it happen. Bob Goff said this. He said, no one will be remembered for what they just planned to do. And so just deliver the goods, deliver the goods. I always need reminders of that. Just deliver the goods, quit talking and produce. Some helpful resources when it comes to business and work. Um, the two game-changing books for me this year in that area were Story Brand by Donald Miller, and I'll include a link to that in the show notes. But Story Brand is just an excellent book that will help you get focused on your message and create website and marketing campaigns that actually sell. And uh, it, it was a game changer. It just really, really, really helped me focus. And we already know that focus is an issue for me. The second one is a book called Traction by Gina Wickman. Traction by Gino Wickman, and it's a process book for entrepreneurs and business owners. And he has a system in there that was uh, just—it was a life changer for me. Uh, I highly encourage you to read it, and then you're actually able to download all of his worksheets from his website. Again, it's called Traction by Gino Wickman. I would encourage you to read both of those for your business this year. The next area I want to talk about is personal calling. I always need it encouraged when it comes to calling, and so here's some encouragement for you as you uh, continue the call on your life. Number one is this, is that you matter, your calling matters, and your gifts matter. Over and over, this was a theme in 2017, when you don't share your gift with the world, you do the world a massive disservice. When you don't share your gift with the world, you do the world a massive disservice. Someone else said it this way. They said, every day someone doesn't live out their purpose, they're ripping off the planet. I love that. This was another quote that came up. Only if you reach your potential as a leader, do your people have a chance to reach their potential. I love that. And then how about this? Do you know that in your personal calling, there's dreams and gifts inside of you that you're not even aware of yet? You know, I share about that often, but it was interesting. I was meeting with my my mentor, Larry Betancourt, and he prayed for me. And in the prayer, he said this. He said, God, thank you for the things that haven't even entered into the heart of Doug yet. God, thank you so much for the things that haven't even entered into the heart of Doug yet. And when he prayed that, just something inside of me, I just said, wow, there's dreams inside of me. Like there's things that God's calling me to do and focus on that 
that aren't even on my radar yet. And for whatever reason, it just reminded me of how big God is, how awesome God is, and how amazing the adventure with God is. And so I uh, just realized that in your personal call, there's gifts inside of you that you don't even know that are there yet. There's callings and there's things inside your heart that God hasn't even put there yet. So just keep following God and watch what he does in your life. Another thought when it comes to personal calling is to be confident in God. Be confident in God. My pastor, Pastor John Nuzo at Victory Family Church, uh, he said he prayed this early on in his ministry, and, and I just took this prayer on as my own. He said, God, I'm the last guy you'd ever pick, and I'm not capable of doing it, but I promise you that anything you tell us to do, we'll do it. I'll walk into nothing if you tell me to, and I will refuse to exalt my inadequacies above your call in my life. If you say we're called to reach thousands, we'll do it. And uh, man, I just thought that was such a great prayer, and, and I've been praying that ever since I heard him share that. I refuse to exalt my inadequacies above your call in my life. That is so, so, so good. Some other thoughts, again, I just wrote these down. God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible, and what a pity it is when we only plan for the things that we can do by ourselves. God's looking for someone who he can do the impossible through, so what a pity when we can only plan for things we can do by ourselves. Uh, dreams come a size too big so we can grow into them. I love that quote. Pastor John said this as well. I love this. He said, when what you do matters to God, you have a partner. But when what you do matters to you, you have a problem. Make sure that in your calling, what you do actually matters to God. And then lastly, when people hear your vision, they should see the largeness of God. I'm a firm believer in that. The next area I want to talk to you about is making a difference. I believe that's what we're all called to do very similarly, but making a difference. So how do you make a difference? This is a question that I would ask yourself, no matter what city you're living in, what is Jesus weeping about in, I live in Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh, and what can we do about it? I'll, I'll say that again. What is Jesus weeping about in our city, and what can we do about it? I think that is so good. And, and I promise you, if you pray that, God will start to show you areas and, and things that need addressed in your city. And I think for us to make a difference, we need to realize that all people matter. All people matter. And everyone is someone that Christ died for. Paul Farmer said this. This was a game changer too this year. He said, the idea that some lives matter less than others is the root of all that is wrong in the world. The idea that some lives matter less than others is the root of all that's wrong in the world. Guys, we have to value all people. All people. Everyone is someone that Christ died for. And Reed Carpenter this year, who's a mentor, he said this. He said, the essential way to reach people isn't through media. It's through relationships. That was a huge lesson this year. So often we're starting to depend on podcasts. We're starting to depend on social media and marketing campaigns to make a difference. They're never going to reach people the way that we were intended to reach people. You reach people through relationships, which is why I think mastermind groups and things like that are so important for people to connect and help each other and lift each other. Jim Withers, who, who's known as the homeless doctor, he said, go to the people. Go to the people. I think as leaders, sometimes we hide behind our podcasts and we hide behind our sermons and we hide behind all this external stuff we do instead of actually going to the people and making a difference in their specific lives. Go to the people. That's how you make a difference. You also make a difference by leading. The Bible says that if you have a leadership gift, then you should take that gift, uh, you should take that responsibility seriously. And let me just tell you this, leader, if God's calling you to lead something, then lead. Ed Glover said this this year, and I love this. He said, nothing moves without prayer, money, and leadership. So start doing what God's calling you to do, and you'll see miracles. 
John Guest said this about leadership. He said, without leadership, nothing goes in the right direction. It invariably goes in the wrong direction. We need leaders in all sectors of society to step up and lead. That's how we're going to make a difference. We need them to learn how to lead for Christ and to serve others and, and to be in every sector of society. That's how we're going to make a difference, when leaders lead. And then the last thing I learned about making a difference is it's going to require great sacrifice. John Guest said this. He said, nothing of any consequence is achieved without sacrifice. And then he went on to say, if Christ be God and died for me, then there's no sacrifice I could ever make for him that could be too great. And if you're going to make a difference in this world, it will require sacrifice. And when you're young, you don't have a lot to sacrifice. But the older you get and the more you grow, you have more and more to give up. And I promise you, you're going to have to give some things up and you're going to have to make sacrifices if you're going to do what God's called you to do. And I love this. Pastor John said this about sacrifice. He said, when you don't put God first, you'll see obedience as a sacrifice. But when you put him first, you'll see it as an act of love. And my prayer is that you'll see any sacrifice that God makes you or God challenges you to make, that you'll see it as an act of love when you sacrifice that thing. The only way we're going to make the difference God called us to do is when we sacrifice. The next area I want to talk about is priorities. Priorities specifically, uh, I want to talk about the priority of family and the priority of God, which I think should be your two biggest priorities. I heard a a local billionaire speak this year, and he was talking about the day he became a billionaire. Um, His company went public, and he was instantly a billionaire. Uh, But it was interesting, the day his company went public, he was actually sick as a dog. And uh, I don't even think he made it to to where, where where did he go, Wall Street or wherever, Um, the stock exchange when your company goes public. I don't think he was able to make it. Long story short, at the end of the day, he was going to meet up with his his family and and business partners uh, for dinner. And he was in a taxi and the taxi driver heard about what had happened with him and, and knew that he had become a billionaire. And he said, man, I'm so sorry that you're sick on the best day of your life. And the billionaire said he, he thought about it for a second and he looked back at the taxi driver and he said, you know what? This isn't the best day of my life. This isn't the best day of my life. This doesn't compare to the day that I gave my heart to Christ and got saved. This doesn't compare to the day where I met my wife and fell in love with her. This doesn't compare to the day that I got married and walked my wife or saw my wife walk down the aisle. And I just thought that was so awesome because so many of us, if we became a billionaire, it would be the greatest thing ever. And this man, the day he became a billionaire, just said, you know what? I could care less about the money. This isn't the greatest day of my life. And I just say that because, man, get your eyes off of you. Get your eyes off of success. When you when you receive all the things that you're striving for and you think that are going to make you happy, I'm telling you, you're going to come to the same conclusion that it's not the best day of your life. The best day of your life are the simple things. It's the journey. It's your family. It's the people that love you. You know, there was a time where Jesus sent out all the disciples in the Bible and they all came back and they said, Jesus, we did all these things and, and we had this authority. We couldn't believe how God used us. And Jesus said, that's all great, but don't, don't rejoice in that. He said, rejoice that your name is written in the book of life. Don't be excited about all the stuff that you did. Be excited that you're going to spend eternity with me, spend eternity with God. It's a priority thing. Priorities. That, that story just humbles me, and it makes me think what's really important. And the older I get when I ask what's important, I realize less and less. Some other thoughts on priority. I I just always ask myself, what if God came back next week or next year? Does that change the way I'd be living? I heard a pastor talk about the young rich ruler in the Bible 
<laughs> and he said, you know, the young rich ruler chose to walk away from Jesus, but can I tell you this about the young rich ruler? He's not young anymore. He's not rich and he's not a ruler. He's dead. He's dead. And I wonder if at the end of the, his life, if the young rich ruler would have changed things, if he would have seen the end from the beginning. Um, man, just something to think about. What if God came back or what if your life ended next week? Would that change your priorities? And then lastly, with family, I'm, I'm a father now. I have a second child on the way. And I heard Reed Carpenter say this, and he said, there's no greater strategy than impacting our children for Christ. Satan's been eating our kids for lunch. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny, but there's no greater st- strategy than impacting our children for Christ. Satan has been eating our kids for lunch. And the reality is, man, our culture is nuts. And there's nothing greater we can do than raise awesome, godly kids. Andy Stanley said it best. He said, the most important thing you do may not be something that you do, but someone you raise. The most important thing that you do may not be something that you do, but someone you raise. And so for me, I I just try to set up reminders of of being present with my daughter, right? And so I listen to song, I listen to country songs, specifically Trace Atkins, you're going to miss this, this, I'll turn that on often and listen to it or remember me by Alan Jackson. And I'll turn those on just to remind me of what's important to be present and to turn off my phone and, and to just look at Olivia and just love on her because this season is not going to last forever. And I will miss this. And I have one shot to raise awesome godly kids and I do not want to miss it. So these are just all thoughts that have helped me shape my priorities for the year and keep me focused. The next area that I want to talk about is finances. Finances are such a huge part of all of our lives. And uh, right now, I'm actually on a huge Dave Ramsey kick. I'm obsessed with Dave Ramsey right now. And I love what Craig Rochelle said. We should all just get a tattoo of Dave Ramsey on our arms to remember to handle our finances responsibly. But uh, I just love Dave Ramsey. If you don't know him, you need to listen to him. He has a daily podcast. You can listen to him three hours a day. Go to DaveRamsey.com, buy his book, The Total Money Makeover, and start working his baby steps. It will change your life. My wife and I got that free several years ago because of Dave Ramsey's plan. And we're continuing to work his baby steps. Um, he's helped us create a budget. And uh, we actually, this year, switched to his cash system we've, where we use uh, cash only. And that's been a game changer. It's helped us be much more disciplined. And uh, it's just awesome. So again, go listen to Dave Ramsey pretty much every day for the rest of your life and you'll turn out all right financially. The other area of money is just always being reminded to trust God over money. Um, I love this. My pastor said that God dealt with him about this when he was young. He said, if your confidence is in, is in money, you'll never be able to do what I called you to do. You'll need a lot more than the money that's in your pocket to do what I've called you to do. Don't put your confidence in money. I love this story in Second Chronicles uh, chapter 1. God was talking to Solomon, the wisest man ever, and, and God said to ask him for something. And instead, well, I'll just read what he said. He said, because your greatest desire is to help your people and you did not ask for wealth, riches, fame, or long life, I'll give you wisdom and knowledge and give you riches and fame. And the, the greatest thing we can ever ask for, the greatest thing we could ever have is wisdom and knowledge and a relationship with God. That's it. That's it. If we have that, we have everything else. And the reality is God will give you the wisdom to make money, to build influence. But again, it won't be for you. It'll be for his kingdom. And you know, I don't believe the prosperity gospel that if you do this, this, and this, that you'll get rich. But I did hear a definition of prosperity that I love this year. Someone said that prosperity just means fully supplied. Prosperity just means fully supplied. And I believe fully supplied is different for everyone. Some people God's called and to be stewards over millions and millions and millions of dollars and to give it away and use it for the kingdom. And they're going to be accountable for that amount of money. But again, when you're following God, 
God will make sure that you're fully supplied. And if you're fully supplied, I promise you, you're going to be prosperous. But the, the greatest prosperity is having a prosperous relationship with God. There's, no, there's nothing greater. So just trust God over money. The money will take care of itself. God will, God will take care of you. I'm drinking tea, by the way, which is crazy. I'm trying to drink less coffee this year. The net, which, speaking of which, going right into the next session is health and fitness. If you guys have been following me for a while, you know that I'm extremely um, passionate about health and fitness because I used to be really heavy and struggle with weight. Just real simple things this year that I learned. I continue to learn how much nutrition matters. It matters so much. Two books that heavily influenced me when it comes to health and fitness this year were Whole30. I did the Whole30 plan uh, for two months, and actually I tried to live pretty consistently with it throughout the, the year. And then I read a book at the end of the year that was uh, very good. It's a, uh, it was called, <laughs> it is called How Not to Die, which I used to think is like the funniest title because it's like, I don't care how you eat, you're still going to die. But Nonetheless, the book's interesting. The book basically takes the 15 leading causes of death in America and, and basically says these are a result of our diet, which is really, really interesting. But then he, he gives you an action plan of what to eat. If you want the Spark Notes, just download the, this app. It's called Dr. Gerber's Daily Dozen app, and I'll include a link in the show notes. Dr. Gerber's Daily Dozen app, and uh, it has all the foods that you should be eating um, to take care of your body. It's great. And then a quote that I always share with people that I love, Tony Robbins said this. He said, nothing tastes as good as fit feels, and I absolutely agree with that. That's what I use to remind myself when I want to eat crazy. Um, just a few more areas. The next area is character character. Billy Graham said this. He said, when wealth is lost, nothing is lost. When health is lost, something is lost. And when character is lost, all is lost. I say it all the time, but I believe the most important development is character development. And last year, it was actually interesting. On December 31st, 2016, God woke me up at 3.30 in the morning, and he gave me 10 specific areas, character areas, to grow in in 2017. And um, it was a, a, it was just fascinating. Literally, I woke up for an hour, and then I went back to sleep. I wrote down these 10 things, and I've tried to grow in them. Um, I think I have made a ton of progress in the areas that God dealt with me about. But when's the last time God dealt with you about your character? Or how about this? What specific issues in your character is God dealing with you about right now? I read something recently. It says it doesn't take God a long time to change your circumstance, but it does take him a long time to change you. And listen, God's far more interested in our character development than he is anything else. And so I just want to continue to, to emphasize character is so important. Why? Because as a leader or as a child of God, as an influencer, whatever, people watch you all the time. Gerald Brooks said this. He has some great thoughts on this. He said, as a leader, there's no place you can hide. And if you're not really to deal, if you're not ready to deal with the responsibility of being watched, don't get into leadership. That's powerful. As a leader, there is no place you can hide. And if you're not ready to deal with the responsibility of being watched, don't get into leadership. He, he, he went on to say things like this. Leadership is losing the right to think about yourself. He said, the fundamental prayer of leadership is God, not your will, not my will, but yours. Joe Brooks said, if God gives you a platform, he'll also give you the responsibility. And here's just a thought. Your influence is not for your benefit. Guys, character is so, so important. Do everything you can to develop your character. Carrie Coghill is a woman we had speak at one of our breakfasts, and she said, if people don't trust you, your path to leadership is gone. Let God build your character and let him build you into someone worth following. He will if you follow him. The, the next thing is just the choices matter. This can go along with character. 
a few thoughts here from Kerry Newhoff that I loved. He said, time multiplies your decisions. And he had a mentor tell him, uh, he turned 50 and, and a mentor said, Kerry, your life in your 50s, 60s, and 70s is going to be great. And he said, well, how do you know that? He said, because you did all the hard work and you made all the right decisions in your 20s, 30s, and 40s. And uh, I just want to continually remind you that every decision that you make matters. One of my favorite quotes is John Wooden. He said, there's a choice you make in everything you do. So in the end, remember that the choices you make, make you. So powerful. A few thoughts on personal growth. Here's a novel thought. You need to get coached and mentored. <laughs> you need to get coached and mentored. Greg Weimer, who's a business leader, he said this. He said, when you go to the pros, you have more coaches, not less. So the higher up you go, you need more coaches, not less. I just love that. And here's the thought. If you want coached and want mentored, ask. This is continually a big theme in my life. Just ask. There's a phenomenal video included in the show notes that, uh, of um, Steve Jobs and he was sharing when he was 14 years old, he was trying to make a circuit board and he couldn't figure out how to do it. So he literally picked up a phone. He called the CEO of Dell, Michael Dell, and he said, hey, I have this problem. I can't figure out how to build this board. How do I do it? Long story short, Michael Dell calls him back. He not only tells him how to fix the circuit board, he hires him as an intern over the summer and, um, and played a huge influential role in Steve's life. And so Steve said, now I try to pay it back. But he said, just ask. You never know where just asking will help. Be teachable. Be teachable. Uh, and then I put, when it comes to personal growth, who are you serving? What leaders are you serving? I encourage you to make a list this year of five to 10 leaders and just say, I'm going to serve these leaders however I can. And let them know you want to serve them. Let them know you want to serve them. Hey, anytime you need anything, let me know. And then the last lesson that I want to leave with you in two, from 2017 is just never give up. Never give up. I don't know about you, but pretty much every other day I want to give up. And, and that may surprise you, but surprise. <laughs> uh, man, I want to quit all the time. There's so many times in 2017 where I just said, man, what am I doing with my life? Is this even worth it? Is, is this really God? Thank God for Laura because Laura always say, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> like, man, stick with it. Don't quit. We're called to do this. Thank God for an awesome wife. But never give up. There was an Ironman runner um, I saw a video of. I don't know his name, but he said this. He said, you can quit, but no one cares and you'll always know. Ouch. You can quit, but no one cares and you'll always know. Um, that's pretty brutal. But here's some thoughts on not quitting. One is play the long game. Play the long game. Uh, someone once said, man, the journey with God is just long obedience in the same direction. And that's my vision for my life. God, I just want to have long obedience in the same direction. I've been following you for 15, 16 years now. I just want to keep, I want to have 30, 40, 50 more years of long obedience in the same direction. And something about patience, God dealt with me about this. Um, when I did my decade review in my 30s, God said, Doug, in your 20s, I laid a foundation for you for success so you could learn how to be successful. In your 30s, I'm going to give you something to say. And in your 40s and 50s, I'll give you the platform to say it. Now, I don't know what all that means, but here's what I know. I'm just supposed to walk with God and grow every single day. And God will take care of the rest. God knows how he wants to use me in the late 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and beyond. All I have to do is follow him. I'm in it for the long game. I want to make it to my finish line. I thought it was interesting. Uh, two stories that are encouraging when it comes to not quitting. Um, John Maxwell shared a story when he felt called to leadership. He was actually preaching at a church. And out of nowhere, God dealt with him that he was going to have a ministry with leaders. And he knew that that was what he was called to do. It just confirmed something in his heart. And so he went home to his wife and he said, Margaret, um, God dealt with me that I'm going to have a ministry to leaders. And she said, well, oh man, that's great, John. What are you going to do? 
And what he said I thought was so interesting. He said, nothing, nothing. He said, if it's a God thing, he'll open the doors. I don't need a crowbar if it's God. And God ended up doing all kinds of crazy things in Maxwell's life that he never thought he would do. And so I've just developed that same attitude. Listen, if it's a God thing, if God's called me to do all these different things, he'll open the doors at the right time. He'll develop me into the right person. All I need to do is just simply follow him. When God gives you a dream, he'll give you everything you need to fulfill it. But just remember, you need to have the patience to make it for the long haul. There's another pastor I listen to often named Keith Moore, and he said when he was younger, he was at a conference, and someone, again, a mentor, um, basically confirmed with him, he said, you're going to have an international ministry, and it confirmed something in his heart, but do you know that, that he didn't have an international ministry for 20 years after, until 20 years after that statement was made, and um, I just want you to, again, hey, what God's ultimately called you to do may not happen for 20, 30, or 40 more years, and are you okay with God's clock? I'll leave you with this with this scripture, Hebrews 10, 35 and 36. It says, don't throw away your confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward that it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you'll continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. Patient endurance is what you need now. Guys, don't give up. You don't know what's on the other side of your obedience. Keep on keeping on long obedience in the same direction. So there you have it, my lessons learned from 2017. I hope that they added value to your life. As always, I'm curious, what did you learn in 2017? Leave a comment in the show notes and let us know your lessons learned. Thanks for listening, and I hope you have the best year ever in 2018. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the lessons that I learned in 2017. I hope they added value to your life. You can get all the key takeaways and links to everything that I mentioned in the show notes at l3leadership.org forward slash episode 175. I want to thank our sponsor, Henny Jewelers, owned by my friend and mentor, John Henny. My wife, Laura, and I got our engagement and wedding rings through Henny Jewelers, and we just love them as a company and as a family. Not only do they have great jewelry, but they also invest in people. In fact, John gave Laura and I a book to help us prepare for our marriage, and he's been investing in me as a leader, a father, and a husband now for years. If you're in need of a good jeweler, check out hennyjewelers.com. As always, if uh, you enjoy this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you'd subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever it is you use to listen to a podcast that means the world to me. Thank you for being a listener. And if you want to stay up to date with everything that we're doing here at L3 Leadership, you can sign up for our email list on our website at l3leadership.org. And as always, I like to end with a quote. And my favorite New Year's quote is always, although you cannot go back and have a brand new start, my friend, Anyone can start today and have a brand new end. And that's my hope and my prayer for you in 2018. Thanks for listening and being a part of L3 Leadership. Laura and I appreciate you so much, and we will talk to you next episode.